New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Today I'm hosting Katie Butler. She's the author of The Art of Dying Well, A Practical Guide to a Good End of Life. Katie, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Thank you. I'm glad to be here, Justine. I'm glad to have you. I'd love to have you talk about what kind of advice you can give to us in helping us navigate maybe a prolonged illness or navigate the decreases that come with aging and maybe coming into our own dying? Well, first of all, I'd begin by saying, see yourself as a whole person and not a bundle of diagnoses. You've got a spiritual body, a mental body, emotional body. Come to all your experiences in a full way. Second, I'd say, start with what requires the most of you and the least of medicine. You may need to make some effort, whether it's exercise, building community, helping out others, getting to know your neighbors. All of these can have major contributions to your health, but we don't think of them as exactly medical, and sometimes we neglect them. And third, accept that there are going to be a succession of new normals, and find substitutions. When your joints hurt and you can't run anymore, take up swimming. Get that half an hour of exercise a day. Good. And so I'm going to go right to the heart of dying well and having a really good death. So what are some of the ideas or some advice Mm. that you have for us to really look at our own dying and facing that and how we might do it well? I think it starts with the moment that you get that bad news, that bad diagnosis, that bad meeting. That's the point to know the trajectory of your illness. Ask your doctor to actually draw you a sketch, like a stock market chart, that shows how you're going to feel and how you're going to function in the course of this disease and its treatments. If you have some kind of a forward-looking map and a visual really, really helps, that is way better than saying, Doc, how much time do I have left? Because that's a question he actually cannot answer. But he can give you an idea. Here's my experience with it, with working with how many patients, and Mm -hmm. here's what I see. Also, there's some questions you can ask the doctor. And this has to do with, I think, quality of life. And what are those? Mm -hmm. Do you recall some of those questions? Am I going to need caregivers? What's going to be the effect of this chemo on my stomach or my pain? Do you have ways to address the symptoms of the treatment as well as the symptoms of the disease? And I think perhaps the most important, can I have a consultation with palliative care? Palliative care doctors are specialists within the healthcare system who are the best at addressing these quality of life questions. Symptom management, what really matters to you? Because unfortunately, there's kind of a hypnotic pull inside a doctor's office, and you start looking only at length of life 
and you're not raising the other questions that might be very important to you, like, is my wife going to be exhausted or is my husband going to be exhausted? Am I going to need my cousin to come fly in from Philadelphia? Am I going to be able to drive? These are very, very important questions, and they kind of get lost in the shuffle. You know, I'm thinking, too, when you said length of life, that many doctors make the assumption that we all Mm -hmm. want the longest life possible. That's their default. So if we know that's the doctor's default, it's up to us, right? Yes, speak up. 70% of people do not have length of life as their number one. They're more concerned about burdening their families, being having their pain controlled, being able to do things that are meaningful to them that they love, whether that's gardening or working or seeing their friends. It's very important to keep in touch with what matters to you because the medical system will not automatically go there. There you go. So that's really, really important to do that. So some of the other things, you talk about honest hope. What do you mean, honest hope? Living forever is dishonest hope. Honest hope is for things that are actually achievable. Living forever is not an honest hope, but taking a trip across the country to see your grandchildren while you still have enough mojo to do that, that could be an honest hope. You might not be able to be there for your grandchild's christening, but you could write a landmark letter for your daughter so that when she has a baby after you're gone, she can read that letter and read it to her child. There are so many things we can do that address our deepest needs as long as we take some time to articulate what those are and get ingenious about it. There have been weddings held in ICUs, for example. Keeping that person alive till the real wedding three months from now may be an unrealistic hope, but it could be honest hope to give away that daughter right there in the ICU. I'm thinking of a friend of mine, a grandmother. She was in her 90s. And she's taking all these medications, and she's complaining, well, this one isn't working anymore, and I can't do this, and I can't do that. And she was just complaining all over the place. And nobody was saying anything to Baba, they called her Baba, that these medicines weren't working and that, oh, well, maybe she could try something else. And, you know, they were just playing along. And one of her sons-in-law was a very, very frank person. And finally... This man said, Baba, they're not going to work because you're dying. And he just said it outright. And it just stopped everyone. And it even stopped Baba. And within a couple of weeks, I think, she did die. But it wasn't because he pronounced it. It was a very beautiful death, and it was like she went into Mm -hmm. a deep acceptance. And what was described to me as her dying process then, once she had permission from her family that it was okay. Okay. Yeah. It's amazing how we need to hear someone say, this is what dying looks like. Or as really beautifully said is, you are approaching the end of your life. Because we don't know if you're going to die today, tomorrow, maybe next week. But we do know you're approaching the end of your life. And the irony is that often when people are taken off all their meds, they actually do better. Because a lot of these meds are side-affecting each other. 
Exactly. Yeah. So it's okay to yeah. begin wherever possible to mm-hmm. open up these kinds of conversations, both within ourselves and in our families or in our mm-hmm. caring community. Yes, and dying's a long process now. It's a long pathway. So all of us, we're both living and dying at the same time. And it's, it's a delicate thing when people are dying because they're also living and they want to be seen as living as well as dying. So to me, the task is something like, Accepting dying while still embracing life. Right. I have a friend right now who is getting toward the end. I mean, I can't predict exactly how long it is, but he's getting there. And yet he wants to be seen still as a full human being. Yes, he's bald from chemo, and yes, his energy is fading away. But it's very clear to me that I can't tell him when he ought to let go. I can tell myself when to let go, but I just need to be attuned to people. So that's a real practice in presence, isn't it? To be each other's deep, deep witness, to witness their life, to hold their history, to hold the love, and to be absolutely present in the moment. And that won't tell you what to do, won't it? Yeah, I think so. Better than any kind of bumper sticker we can say, you know. I think that's the ultimate guidance, you know. And it's love, you know. It's seeing people for who they are. The one thing that bugs me, though, is when someone says on Facebook that they have a very bad cancer and they are under treatment, when I see post after post saying, keep fighting, think positive, I think that's very destructive. I don't think we should impose our ideas of, when someone ought to accept death on them. But I also think that they're almost toxic, these sort of unrealistic pressures on people to stay in denial, frankly. I so agree with you. And often some of the words that come to me, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm sending you and surrounding you with love and light. And I might say, if I know that they Mm -hmm. are really going for healing energy, I might say that. But as you say... It's not to make the assumption you can yeah. give love without guiding it in a certain way. And sometimes people need to hear, this sucks. Yeah. Sometimes people need to hear, this sucks. And sometimes people need to hear, let's watch the Red Sox game together. You know, it's a matter of being attuned to yeah. where people are actually at. Right. And every death is so unique. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no one prescription. Absolutely. But I do think we need to open ourselves to its existence and stop running from it. I do think that. I want to just tell our listeners to give a little flavor of the piece that you've written here in this book, The Art of Dying Well. You mentioned something about um, HMO here in Northern California. It's Kaiser. And there was a doctor who did something called RESPECT. And I just thought, oh, boy, if all hospital and all HMOs had this, this would just be great. So describe what respect is. Sure. I think it's very important if someone's dying in a hospital that you just go ahead and take over the space because the normal hospital protocols will not be conducive to a peaceful, respectful death. So this ER doctor at Kaiser Northern California created this acronym called RESPECT. And it's essentially just a little checklist saying, 
Restore order to the room. Make sure that all the relatives have a place to sit and be with the dying person. Put a sign on the door so nobody interrupts them. Don't take vital signs. Get all the telemetry and turn off the beepers. None of this is necessary now. Essentially, it's a checklist to allow you to create a homier feeling for a death that's occurring in the hospital. So I just encourage people, bring in those LED candles, bring in some flowers, bring in a photograph, chant, bring in music, do whatever you want. This is your time and it matters. I remember Michael's mother died in a hospital setting, and we were both there with her. Mm-hmm. And this was up in Ukiah, California, in Mendocino mm-hmm. County. It was so wonderful because the staff knew that she was dying. They mm-hmm. could tell the signs. And they kind of checked in on us, and apparently they didn't need the room. So they checked in on us to make sure we were okay with being at peace to be with someone who was dying, that we weren't going to freak out. So once they had that assurance that Michael and I were not going to freak out and that we really wanted to be there for these last moments of her life, that they allowed us to be there after she actually died and we kind of called someone in to say we think that she's passed. The doctor just gently checked and confirmed, announced her dead, And then they left and they said, you can be here as long as you want. Beautiful. And they let Michael and I stay in that room for the rest of the afternoon, Yeah, just being with his mother. And that was just a very precious, precious death. And as it should be, and I think often hospital staff are just dying for opportunities to express their kindness and to help you. If we can just open up a little space for them to do that. Oh, Katie, we could talk about so much more. I just thank you so much for being part of the New Dimensions Cafe today. Thank you. My pleasure. Mine as well. Katie Butler is the author of The Art of Dying Well, A Practical Guide to a Good End of Life. And if you want to know more about her work, you can go to her website, katiebutler.com. Katie is spelled K-A-T-Y, Butler, B-U-T-L-E-R katiebutler.com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms, and I want to thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe, and I invite you, please do join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.